0: This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at ChooseCherries.com.
1: Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world. Hopefully all the time. This is episode 203 of Tech Bites. We are recording it today on Tuesday, April 7th, 2020, if you're listening in the future, and I know most of you are. This is our fourth show recorded on ZenCaster because we are all staying at home during the coronavirus pandemic. And today we are bringing you some stories and some efforts from the chef and restaurant community who is as always, sprung into action to try and help the industry and also help those in need. I'm very happy today to introduce Chef Edward Lee, who is calling in from Louisville on his Lee Initiative. Ed, thank you for taking the time to join us.
2: Thank you, thank you for having me.
1: And also we have calling from the Olmsted, NYC restaurant group, Max Katzenberg. Max, how are you today? I'm pretty good. You know, I'm used to doing my show in the Heritage Radio Network studio in Roberta's Pizza with a live, uh, with guests in studio, that was always my rule. If you couldn't make it into the studio, you couldn't be on the show because there was always something extra special about having a face-to-face conversation with people. Um, so these are the first phone-in shows I've ever done really over the course of five years, which is amazing. But I have to say, hearing all of you on the Zencast recording is pretty great. So <laughs> we learn something new and, and learn to appreciate new things in, in times like this. Um, but we'll start our show like we always do. We usually talk about apps and technology. Um, Ed, has there been a particular app or piece of technology that you've discovered that has been very helpful to you during these past I, few weeks?
2: Uh, I've never heard of Zoom before uh, last week, and now it seems <laughs> like I'm on it uh, every single day. So,
1: What have you been using it for?
2: Uh, interviews, uh, business meetings, accountants, I mean, and, and pretty much most communications are happening on zoom right now
1: that's amazing i don't think you're the i think you're definitely not the only one i had a conversation with some people as well um from the sports world who had never heard of zoom either so it's been pretty interesting how about you max is there a piece of uh, digital tech or app tech that's been particularly useful for you
3: i mean like chef ed said Zoom has been an incredible tool. Instagram for me has really morphed. It's not a new tool, but it's gone from pictures of food or pictures of cats or something, you know, maybe a little bit of a time waster to a real resource for people to communicate about the initiatives that they're starting up. Uh, It's been great to see it really develop into something a little more meaningful.
1: I think also on the Instagram front, the live broadcasting function. I know that prior to this, I never quite paid that much attention to Instagram Live, but now it's become a resource of live streaming. There's a live streaming boxing class that I do a few times a week with Church Street Boxing. They have some great instructors. Um, I know Cherry Bomb did uh, their Jubilee through Instagram Live Stream. We have chefs doing cooking demonstrations, news, press conferences. So, you know, not just Instagram, but that live broadcast component has become so fascinating. Um, and truly, truly a resource um, for everyday life and, and entertainment. Um, it's really interesting. Anyway, we have Max and Ed here today to talk about the Lee Initiative, which is, if you want to follow along and check it out while you're listening to the episode, the website is leeinitiative.org. If you want to follow on Instagram, it's at Lee Initiative um, and at Chef edward lee and at makers mark who is the underwriter of the whole project and tell us you know what what the project is and and how it started
2: yeah so um basically we, lee initiative is a nonprofit that we started two years ago with Lindsay osasek who's the uh director and um uh, we were doing a, a program for women chefs in kentucky um and and it's for promoting diversity and, and we do a lot of programs mostly in and around Kentucky and in the region. And, um, uh, quite frankly, we have a staff of two people, or we had a staff of two people and it was a very, um, just a nice little nonprofit that we were running, uh, uh smoothly. And, um, you know, when, when the restaurant closures hit in Kentucky, um, we have a very progressive uh, governor, and, and he followed suit pretty quickly with some of the big cities. And um, by March 15th, we were um, basically told that we had to shut down all the restaurants in uh, Kentucky. And that came as a huge uh, um, hit to us, uh, mainly because in, in, in Kentucky, we, u- we usually think of things happening in big cities first, and it kind of takes time to trickle down um but but in this case we had no time and and it happened pretty instantly and so uh we pivoted pretty quickly and and saw that um you know i personally had laid off over 100 people um there's there's i mean hundreds of restaurants in louisville thousands of people suddenly out of work and um you know just panicking and 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 afraid um and and you know just uh, confused and so we saw this need that um you know we had all this extra food i have three restaurants in louisville so we consolidated all the food to 610 magnolia and we decided we would just feed staff and and you know people that i had to lay off uh, and anyone else in the neighborhood who uh, was needing food and Um, It pretty quickly uh, dawned on us that this was going to be a bigger issue. Um, You know, the first night we opened without any outreach at all, about 300 people came in to see us. Um, and So uh, when
1: you say you opened, what does that mean?
2: We literally just, you know, the Monday night, we, we cooked some food and we put some food out family style and just invited, you know, our, it, this wasn't public. We just mm-hmm. invited our, our staff and friends and family to just come by. And, and um, you know, we had a lot of neighborhood people come by and, and we knew that this was going to be a need um, that was bigger than just our close, you know, family of restaurant people. So uh, Lindsay made a call to Maker's Mark, um, who we were partners with already um, on the Women's Chefs program. And um, to their credit, um, they quickly stepped up and said, you're right, this is not something that is local to Kentucky. This is not something that's a Louisville problem. It's a national problem. And let's see how your program does. Let's do yours first and see how it does. So um, that next day, which was Tuesday, Um, I believe March 17th. Um, you know, we, we put out a social media post, we got some local news and then we opened up a relief kitchen. Um, you know, 300 people showed up that first day. Um, there's a line of cars blocking traffic for, for blocks. Um, you know, I mean, you know, grown men crying families. I mean, it was, it was really hard emotionally and, um, We, I mean, Maker's Mark took one look at the line and the people and they said, this is, we have to go nationwide with this. So, um, I mean, we quickly mobilized and um, I have a restaurant in D.C. as well. So we, we the next thing we did was uh, uh, to transform the D.C. restaurant into a relief kitchen. And then we quickly um, went to Nancy Silverton in L.A. And Eduardo Jordan in Seattle, and those were the next two kitchens that we mobilized. And I think all of them were mobilized by the end of the week. Um, and when we saw how successful those programs were, we went back to Makers and said, "Listen, we need to we need to find money and keep going." And um, you know, that's when I called uh, um, these guys from. Uh, actually, Eduardo Jordan uh, gave me Greg's number. Um, and I called them right away and, 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 they were so quick to jump on board, uh, and have been amazing partners. And I mean, every single city we open up and, um, we just, you know, we see a need. The chefs are, are, are just so amazing with their, you know, with their donations of time and energy and money and, 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 and all that they do. Um, it's been, it's been the one bright spot and, and otherwise a really ugly, uh, past few weeks.
1: Well, it's amazing uh, how quickly you were able to pivot and respond and reach out to Maker's Mark to help support you. The, the economical support, the financial support is so critical. Restaurants are so used to donating their time and donating product as much as they can, um, which is uh, amazing considering that their profit margins are so low, but in this instance, there simply are no resources or there's a very, very small finite amount. How does it work financially? I mean, just in the broad strokes, um, because restaurants are able to get some financial support to run these programs so that there's a small cycle of um, some economic positivity adjacent to just the ability to be able to then donate you know, meals to people who are in need.
2: Yeah. And so so <clears throat> the great thing about this program is it's really kinda it helps in two ways. Um, you know, obviously the, 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 the bigger mission is to help feed people who are who are in need and give them supplies. Um, but it also helps to activate the restaurant and, and you know, every restaurant that we activate uh, is able to hire back some of their staff. Um and so basically it it you know, right now we have a lot of unemployed restaurant workers um that did nothing wrong. Um, that they, they, they're out of work for no fault of their own. They're very able, they're capable, and they're willing to work. There's just not work out there. So, um, you know, by offering people jobs, it, 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 it helps to keep a little bit of the economy going. Um, so Makers basically uh, gives enough funds to seed uh, uh, this project for about two weeks. Um, what we found, which has been great, is that every time we activate a kitchen, the food donations come pouring in um that the donations from the public from each community uh pour in so with all the food donations plus any donations that come in monetarily um we're able to track that they can choose so if anyone donates they go on our website they can choose which city that their money goes to um and we track it and that money goes right back to the restaurants to keep this program going when we started this um two weeks ago Um, well, I guess not three weeks. Um, you know, we, we, we came up with a two week mark because that's, um, how long we thought the shutdown was going to be, uh, foolishly. And, 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 you know, two weeks ago, we all were kind of naive and thought, oh, you know, after two weeks, things will get back to normal. Um, and obviously now we're in the thick of it and we're seeing that this is easily a four, six, you know, maybe eight week, uh, um ordeal and and what what is really critical now is that as the weeks go on that's when people are running out of money running out of food Um, and that's when this like every single week that goes by this program gets more and more critical Um, because you know it's it's you know you for a lot of restaurant workers maybe they had you know a month's worth worth of savings maybe less and and it's about time now when when you know bills are coming up um and and it's it's getting really critical
1: well we know from all of the um activist work from the industry that the restaurant industry in the united states is a trillion dollars and it's four percent of our gross domestic product and it's about 16% of the American workforce. I think it's something like one in five people works in restaurants or something Mm -hmm. like that. So, I mean, it's just a, it's just a tremendous part of the population. Um, so it,
2: it's, it's a a tremendous part of the American economy too. mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's the one thing that we are, um, we're seeing, um, you know, this, this, our, our, Small business restaurants collectively are a huge part of the American economy. Um, we pay a lot in taxes. Um, you know, we employ millions of people, and and it's really important that we support, um, you know, the the backbone of our industry, which is all the restaurant people. And it's you know when when I would say when you go to a restaurant and you have a lovely meal, um, you know, you may interact with a few people, and and, and for most people uh, out there they don't quite realize how many people it takes to bring that restaurant experience to you. You know, all the phone receptionists, the hostesses, the dishwashers, the porters. Um, there's so many people, um, that restaurants employ and, and we can't forget about them. Uh, because when this is over and there is something of a restaurant industry left to pick up, um, we're going to need them back. And, and we can't turn our backs on them right now when, when they're most in need.
1: So, Ed, you said you reached out to the team at Olmstead. Max, tell us what it's like in a practical sense to convert your restaurant into a program like this to provide for your community. I think it would be uh, great for other restaurant owners and workers who are listening to have some idea of what it would take for them to do the same thing if, if they're so inclined.
3: Yeah. Uh- this has been the hardest time of our careers. I mean, from Friday the 13th uh, through that Tuesday, there were five, five days where it really just felt like the ground was moving underneath us. And, uh, you know, we were pivoting the business and cutting services and talking about going delivery only. And finally, on that Tuesday, we decided to, to shut it down entirely and lay off and furlough, you know, our entire staff, were 60 between the two restaurants. Um, and we had a few days there afterwards to really get out of the Olmstead micro bubble and feel the enormity of what was happening you know uh, across the country, but especially you know in our New York City restaurant community where two hundred and fifty thousand people were essentially laid off and uh, yeah, that was before the advanced the increased unemployment benefits were put in, that was before cares um, and we started really hearing from our people about their personal financial Security, their concerns about that, and the you know the food scarcity questions. So w- when we spoke to you know Chef Eduardo Jordan, who's a, a friend of ours, uh, my partner, the chef Greg Backstrom of Olmsted, and Eduardo worked together ages ago. Uh, when we heard what he was doing with Lee Initiative, you know we we called them immediately and said, oh my god, that is so amazing! You know, is there any way we could get involved? And in a matter of hours, Olmsted was becoming a food bank. I mean, for us, it was just like here. I, I mean, not only is there a need, I would say there's a dire need. And, and it's not just a dire need for for the workforce, uh, for the community, but there's also a dire need. Uh, you know, people are really compelled right now to contribute and, and they, don't, they don't know how. Uh, and the, the the Food Bank Through Lee initiative has been just an incredible catalyst for the community to come together. Uh, Not only are we working with chefs, but our vendor partners, uh, you know, our grocery stores are all different kinds of suppliers. They're hearing about what's happening and they all want to do something and they're all contributing in a really meaningful way. You know, we're seeing a lot of coordination between the medical field and the restaurants now, uh, which has just been incredible. Uh, You know, it's extraordinarily rewarding. Uh, and, and it does take a pivot, obviously, as far as the day to day, you know, from going to dine in service, uh, you know, to serving, you know, we, we would usually at most serve 130 guests, you know, per service, uh, per, per dinner service at Olmstead. And now we're preparing to serve 250, 350 guests, uh, you know, per day, but, uh, but it's something that everybody's really, really excited to be doing, and it's something that's been extraordinarily rewarding. When you talk about that line of of people who are having financial scarcity, food scarcity, and you know, and being able to uh, you know, to get a little bit of relief.
1: Well, I mean, that's uh, it's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity to um kind of keep the wheels in motion and keep communities going in, in so many different ways. We are going to take a quick break right now and find out who the underwriter is of this show to see who's keeping our Heritage Radio Network community going. We are a 501c3 nonprofit We are kind of like public radio, and we also rely on the generosity of our community, of our members who are listeners like you, underwriters, and grants. So stay tuned and find out who the amazing company is that's supporting this
0: show. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S. grown Montmorency tart cherry variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency tart cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their bright red color. And don't forget about flavor, U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile make them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at ChooseCherries.com.
1: Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. And for the past three weeks or so, we've been talking to innovators and influencers in the restaurant space who have made amazing pivots in their businesses to respond to the coronavirus pandemic and help not only their businesses, but the communities around them. Today, we are talking to Chef Edward Lee of the Lee Initiative, um the Leeinitiative.org, actually it's just Leeinitiative.org, is a project with Makers Mark where it essentially allows restaurants to turn into community kitchens and provide free meals and resources to restaurant workers and people in their community. If you want to be a part of it, go to leeinitiative.org. You can follow them on social media at Leeinitiative, at chef Edward Lee. An at Makers Mark. We also want to give a shout out to Lindsey of, I'm not going to pronounce your last name correctly. Lindsey- Of Stasek. Of, say it one more time.
2: Of Stasek.
1: Who is the manager and the brain power behind the whole initiative who couldn't join us today. Take a look at their website. They are currently in 15 restaurants across the country. It's a pretty amazing program. One of the participating restaurants is Olmsted NYC with Chef Greg Baxton and Max Katzenberg. Um, They have also founded the New York Hospitality Coalition, which you can find at NYHOSP Coalition, um, which is a resource for the 25,000 restaurant businesses in the city, which employs over 250,000 workers. Max, can you tell us a little bit about what the New York Hospitality Coalition is?
3: Yeah, I mean, the Hospitality Coalition started, uh, you know, the week that we closed. There was this real crunch uh, that was happening the Friday after our businesses were forced to close, the financial crunch. You know, the government, uh, you know, for medical reasons, closed all restaurants to dine-in service. And uh, what that did for us is cut our cash flow off overnight, essentially. Um, the Friday after the closure, the quarterly and monthly sales tax bills were due for New York restaurants, for New York state restaurants. Uh, and our payroll for the prior week was also due. And you know, the government was so focused on the medical emergency, as they should be, there wasn't full awareness of the financial crunch that they were putting the operators in. And what we saw was operators being pretty much forced to choose between making their payroll or paying their sales tax and having very significant consequences for that. Um, so we sprung to action, you know, we we unified our network um, and we formed the coalition uh, with that as our major call to action, which was to postpone the penalty and interest for that sales tax payments, basically deferring the payment. Um, and. In 24 hours, you know, there was not just us. There were many, many people, you know, communicating to the governor's office that that needed to happen. But within 24 hours, they had changed their mind. You know, Thursday at 4 p.m., they said they're not moving it. Everyone needs to pay. And, uh, you know, by Friday, they had changed their mind. Friday at 11 in the morning. So, uh, you know, the whole effort really snowballed uh, from that as, as the enormity of the economic crisis really started to set in and you know, we learned about CARES and what was gonna be in CARES and, and how ineffective that's going to be for the hospitality industry. You know, the coalition has just grown and grown and, and you know, the goal for it is to really be a resource for our operators as well as our workforce to come and triage you know, this crisis you know, for themselves. Uh, you know, we're asking ourselves, how can we protect as many of these 250,000 jobs in New York City Eight hundred sixty-five, eight hundred sixty-five thousand jobs in New York State, uh, and there—I think it's eleven or twelve or thirteen million in the country. How many of those jobs are going to be there at the end of this? And you know, cares, cares in the PPP—they—they uh, they have an enormous blind spot for the hospitality industry. And what we're turning our attention to now is uh, really educating our representatives and the general public as to why that is right. Uh, you know, on the surface, it seems like something that's very appealing. And the fact of the matter is it's it's not impactful, barely at all, for restaurants, uh, for anybody that doesn't have employees that, for that matter. Um, and and we need to motivate them to to create a stabilization fund for the hospitality industry that's going to get it back on its feet. Now, we're not just talking about 11 million Americans that work in restaurants or 13 million, whatever the number is. Um, you we're also talking about the supply chain. You know, there are tens of millions of more people, more Americans that are supported by the restaurant industry. You know, the the restaurant industry is the last link on a very complicated, very dynamic supply chain from your farmer to your fisherman to your linen supplier, to all the truck drivers. I mean, there's tens of millions of more people and if, if these... I'm
1: waiting for somebody to do a really great infographic on that. We're, we're working so on true. it.
3: We're working on it. Oh, are you yeah. really? We're working. You
1: know, something animated would be great. You know, yeah. the New York Times has so many of these great infographics that show, you know, the density of things and the spread of things and the domino effect of things. And people isolate restaurants, as, you know, economically in terms of what's happening in that brick and mortar yeah. space. But the domino effect
3: is... I mean, is we're we're working Staggering. on we're working on that intently you know we've created a model that shows just how large the shortfall is for hospitality operators you know i think they're getting 15% of the cash that's really required to reopen and and what these small operators are going to be forced to choose between is saddling themselves with you know a lifetime's worth of debt to reopen their business in an environment that they cannot project how much revenue and profit there's going to be after this crisis right so they're going to have to personally guarantee or put up their house to reopen their business or close right and and many 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 people if they choose to go into severe debt to reopen are going to close you know we are not just talking about a you know a little bit of cash for each business you know to to do their first produce order i mean we pay our bills for with cash, you know from 45 days ago with cash that we received today with revenue so there is an entire supply chain that's going delinquent here and what the PPP is intended to do is to get people off of unemployment and back to work and the entire forgivable portion of that loan the entire grant portion is based on having payroll but we we, we don't have any payroll we're not allowed to be open <laughs> So we're going to have to create a bunch of payroll to get a grant for payroll. And then we could use a tiny wow. little sliver of that for our operating costs for, to, you know, stick it towards rent. But it's a net zero effect for restaurant, maybe, a you know, a one out of 10 effect for restaurants. It's a very, very dangerous moment. And, and you know, you see the cruise industry, the airline industry, you know, these sectors who have, you know, the shiny name getting stabilization funds and receiving more direct, uh, you know, more direct support. And the reason for that is not because they are even close to as impactful on the economy. I mean, the airlines and the crews, they're doing 50 to 100 billion a year. We're doing a trillion a year. We just do not have, we do not have the infrastructure in Washington. You know, we do not have, we're very splintered. We're very splintered because of the profitability of the businesses and because of how many there are. It's It's
1: also restaurants are a network of small independent operators who are not typically unified for the purpose of, you know, lobbying in Washington. And on the one hand that, you know, is obviously proving to be detrimental from a government policy point of view. But the independent nature of restaurants has proven to be a strength in some ways, because I think it's what allows you all to, you know, go forward and and do the work that you're doing now. I mean, it's, it's certainly ominous to talk about what happens in the future when things reopen and, and business comes back to life. But I'd like to go back to Ed and ask him, you know, when you first started and you thought two weeks, things would go back to normal, you know, quote, air quotes, normal, whatever that was. Um we look at the news now and we look at Europe still being, you know, very much at home and and staying at home. We look at Asia that tentatively reopened for business and is now starting to reclose again. When you look at your program now, what are what is what is the next 2 weeks, months, how how far forward are you looking to continue to be funding the Lee initiative?
2: We are you know, we we think this is definitely going to uh, continue on for the next month. Um, our, our, you know, we we try and look at weeks, not months, because sometimes it's a, a little staggering to uh, to look at right. it that far ahead. And so, um, while I you know, I, I kind of keep an eye and you know, watch the news carefully and keep an eye open for for what's going to happen over long term. Um, you know, Lindsay and and the team is really just trying to keep every kitchen open week by week. Um, we are trying right now to just get every restaurant that's open funded um, till the end of April, um, which I think by all measures, we still see the restaurant closure continuing to the end of April. Uh, we are at the same time trying to uh, um, raise more funds to activate at least four other kitchens by, by the end of next week. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the tough part about this for us is that You know, we are small nonprofits still, Um, even though we've raised uh, quite a bit of money. We're still small. Um, And it's it's, it's just so disheartening because I get a call, multiple calls every day from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Iowa, to Portland, to Richmond, Virginia, saying, hey, can you come here to our city? Because we need help, too. Um, and it breaks my heart because you just can't say yes to everyone. And right. and it just is emotionally takes a toll because I know it's every city, every town, every village, every hamlet out there is, is suffering. And the toll that it's taking on everyday families is, is just immense. And, and, you know, we, if we can get funded through the end of April, that's amazing. If we can add, three more kitchens um that would be huge um and then we'll take it from there um i think um we'll see i mean at at this point we're strategizing for another six weeks um what what
1: type what type of funding are you looking for if you can talk about it here and in case there are any you know, super wealthy individuals or people who yeah, super are working individuals in companies. Are very nice. <laughs> <laughs> they, they,
2: they, you know, we, when, when, when you, but it, but it doesn't really matter. You know, when we opened in Louisville um, on March 16th, the word got out. We raised uh, about $18,000 in two days. And that all came from five, 10 and $15 donations.
1: That's amazing. Um,
2: and, and it was, Donated by people who were also struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that just, and that meant so much to me. And it also means that people care. People care about the restaurant industry. We don't want to live in a world where the only restaurants are big chain restaurants um, and cookie cutter fast food places. It's just not the world um, that we've become accustomed to. You know, it's, it's not the place where you're going to go for a birthday party, celebrate an anniversary, uh, you know, a wedding. It, it's not the place that you're going to take, go, go on a first date. It, it's, you know, we need these restaurants. They they are a part of the fabric of the American life right now. Um, and people do care. And, and we're seeing donations come in from, um, you know, from NFL quarterbacks to, um, you know, famous actors in Hollywood. I mean, it's, it's, it runs the gamut. And, and to your average person, you know, who's a school teacher who says, I love coming to your restaurant once a year for my anniversary. And I don't want that to end. Um, and so we're, we're just seeing, it, it is amazing when you think about the broad spectrum of people who love independent restaurants. I mean, it's a silly thing to think about, but I mean, it is, one of the most diverse audiences of people out there so it's, it's kind of the one thing that everyone can agree on um yes is that we the, all eat people love great food <laughs> yeah they
1: do and they're very prideful about the places in their communities and who makes the best this and who makes the best that and and it's also something that people can participate on their own you know on an everyday way um, and
2: think about all the restaurants in your community that, that come out um, and step up to the plate whenever there's a charity need, you know, yes. whether it's a, a tornado or, or a hurricane and, and restaurants step up and donate food and money and resources or, you know, if it's for the homeless or if it's a shelter and, and, and you need a gift certificate, you know, or, or raise money for a school. I mean, restaurants are so much more than just feeding food. They become a part of that community. Um, and, and part of what we're doing right now is saying like, we have to give back to those people who have stepped up time and time again for every charity under the sun. And even though it's very hard for restaurant people to admit it because we're very prideful and, uh, we work very hard, but, in, uh, you know, at this moment, it is our time to ask for help. Um, I, I don't know a single restaurateur in the entire country and probably the world, Um, Who's sitting pretty, you know, we are all collectively suffering. So, you know, this is, this is our time to ask for help.
1: So to close out the show on that note, tell us today, um, right now, people who are listening to this episode, what's the, what's the most important thing they can do to help the Lee initiative right now?
2: Um, You know, we need money you know, flat, that's just pretty much it. Um, you know, you can go on our website and donate. Um, you can choose which, which city and, and which fund to donate to. Um, and and But you know, further than that, you, wherever you live, there's an independent restaurant scene. Go out, support them, buy gift certificates, buy dinners from, if they're doing takeout meals, go buy dinner from them, go show them some love, um, you know, figure out who the food banks are in your local community, give them what they need, Reach out to, to the charity organizations in your community, um, that are helping the restaurant industry. Um, there are plenty of grassroots movements out there. Um, and, and just what, anything you can do to support, um, there's plenty of ways you can, you can help restaurants right now.
1: And Max, is there something that people in can do to help the Olmstead community kitchen?
3: Well, uh, Absolutely. You know, if you know somebody with any resources that uh, you know could be distributed, please email us. You know, contact at olmstednyc um, You know, if you'd like to donate, of course, you know, through the Lee Initiative website, uh, or if you'd like to volunteer in any way, you know, reach out. You know, it's an all hands on deck effort.
1: Will there come a time when people donating their time from their homes will be useful? I was having a, we, a conversation on the last episode of Tech Bytes, which was the Dining Bonds Initiative, which is a website um, that is a global aggregator of dining bonds to purchase uh, from restaurants today to utilize in the future um, with a little bit of a, a savings they are looking at a model of starting to ask people uh, to volunteer time. So many people want to get involved. But I do think in the short term, um, you know, physical resources, money and, you know, product may kind of evaporate as we are longer and longer, you know, staying at home. Is there a way people can um, volunteer time for you or volunteer some sort of effort that's, Virtual from their yeah.
2: homes? I mean, it, 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 volunteers are hard right now because of the COVID 19 crisis and because of our, our um, social distancing um, precautions. Uh, we really like uh, in our kitchens, we really um, discourage using volunteers. We don't know where they've been, who they've been in contact with, um, and we just can't have that many people in the restaurant at any given time for the safety of our workers. Um, in all the kitchens that are activated, um, the entire kitchen staff knows each other. Outside of working at the outside of working at the relief kitchen, they are quarantined, um, so there's no other contact between their work between the workers and their families. There's no other contact, and, and it's a really safe place. And all things considered. Um, as a workplace, it's actually very safe. There's zero contact with the public. Um, mm-hmm. We have systems where people can pick up the food without ever coming within six feet of a of a staff member. So we we really need to keep that intact because we we have to follow the the, the rules of of safety first. Um, having said that, if if things get to a place of, of you know, again, quote, unquote, a little more normal. um, And we can take volunteers, you know, we'll, we'll put the word out on that. But right now we are discouraging any actual physical volunteers.
1: Could people make phone calls or send emails or things like that from their homes? I mean, running a a successful business is certainly, you know, especially a nonprofit, certainly you have the hands on on the ground, but how much sure, yeah. of your day we, now is spent f- making phone calls to people. Yeah. And,
2: and we do, you know, again, it, it's, um, you know, for us, it's it's about spreading the word and, and just yep. letting people know that we're here and we're helping them. Um, we're working this week actually on some outreach to the Latino community. Mm-hmm. Um, many of whom are, you know, have devoted their lives to the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some have a language barrier, some are undocumented. Um, and some have a fear of just going out to places that are, you know, have, have the potential for, for danger for them. Um, and so we're working on, on an outreach uh, program right now to reach that community and to say that we're here for you too, and that these meals and supplies are also um, intended for you, and, and that, you know, these restaurants are safe havens, um, that we're not cooperating with, with any kind of detention centers or ICE. Um, so, so that's, that's just something that we're working on this week because we know that there are so many Latinos, uh, and other people who, for whom English is not a first language, um, that, that, you know, have been the backbone of our industry. And and right now they're suffering too. And, and for many who are undocumented, none of this stimulus package is going to trickle down to them at all. No, there's no safety net at all. Um and so you know, we we need to look out for them too.
1: Well, I wanna thank uh Chef Ed Lee and Max Katzenberg for taking time out of their very busy days today to talk with us. If you want to get involved in the Lee Initiative, visit them at Leeinitiative.org on Instagram at Lee Initiative. It's a great program. Uh, it's national uh restaurants converting into food pantries to support those in need sponsored by Makers Mark you can follow them at Makers Mark follow Chef at Chef Edward Lee and then in New York City we have at Olmsted NYC the sister restaurant is at Maison Yaki Y-A-K-I and um, Chef Greg Backstrom and Mark's Ka- Max Katzenberg Max is there any last thoughts about what people can do for Olmstead if they'd like to help and support?
3: No, I mean, I think that uh, we've really covered it. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to talk about uh, the Food Bank and the New York Hospitality Coalition. Thank you.
1: Well, we are hoping to be a resource during this pandemic of stories that make us feel great because people um, like you all out there um, doing good things and, and helping our communities. It's really wonderful to hear people springing into action. And, you know, my hope is that people will be inspired to spring into action themselves. Um, we've, we know from the restaurant community the way we respond to disasters of all sorts that you feel so much better when you go to work and you put something positive into the world. There are people wondering what they can do. Maybe this will inspire them to participate in one of these programs or start something in their community. And there are also, you know sponsors and people who can maybe help on a larger scale. And then there are people who do need help. and hopefully this will be a resource for somebody who maybe lives in Brooklyn next to Olmstead, who might you know stop by um, this afternoon or tomorrow morning to you know pick up something that they need. So if you are out there and you have a great story, of something that's happening in your community, um, reach out to us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. You can find us on social media at TechBitesHRN. We would love to hear from you. We are going to continue to um, put Tech Bites on the air. Heritage Radio Network is committed to producing all their full roster of shows. And we are looking at everything from hospitality industry to farming, to food supply, to, you know, stories of what people are doing, you know, around the world during this time. And having a community has never been more important. And hearing each other's voices has never been more important. So get in touch, listen in, and we will see you on the other side of this. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech TechBytes Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast.